Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Bashmania podcast. This is episode 180. Super excited to have Kevin Dresser on the head coach of Iowa State before this big weekend. Before we dive into the conversation, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Attack, A-T-A-C, Attack. Champions aren't born, they're made. Attack is a training app for athletes, and they're here to help you level up. You can download Attack in the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store. They also have a super, super cool ability to invest in the app right now. So if you want to go on and you want to become an investor in the app, you can go on Start Engine and you can earn perks. It's super cool. Go to their social, atac.app on their Instagram uh, or Twitter, and you can learn more about that. So thank you to Attack for sponsoring this podcast. Awesome people, awesome platform. Shout out Attack. It's Bashomania! Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do when Bashomania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Oh, yeah. We are back for the second Bashman episode of the week with Coach Kevin Dresser. How are you, man? Good. Thanks for having me. Uh, of course. I am super excited for the show. David Carr is a good friend of mine. And we were talking after last week. We were just talking about it a little bit before we started recording, recording about before the scuffle. There's obviously all this chaos everywhere. Medical forfeits, people not wrestling. And being somebody who likes to promote the sport, hype the sport up, me and Willie did a show last week talking about it. And I'm like, you know what? We're, Willie and I, and I said it on our show, we're very biased. People who want to market or hype the sport, you're looking at it just from the lens of a fan. And I thought you handled the press conference before the scuffle phenomenally. I wish everybody would do that. So I said, you're the perfect guy to come on this week. So I want to talk about that, some other stuff. I, I guess we'll start right there. You know, for those maybe who aren't really paying attention, last week before the scuffle, you came out, and I had never seen somebody do this. You grabbed your phone. You said, before anybody asked any questions, you went through the entire lineup, said who was not going, who was going, why they weren't going, and, and that was that. It, it was a non-issue. I know there's coaches out there sensitive to injuries and this and that, but I loved that. So for you, what led to you coming right out with kind of the laundry list medical report, just like we see the NFL. And do you think that should be more the norm? I probably, you know, thinking back on it now, what probably led to it is uh, we usually have a weekly press conference on Wednesdays and we didn't have one the Wednesday before because we we're in the holidays. So we were getting ready for the scuffle. My phone was blowing up from reporters and fans and everything. And so uh, I guess maybe that particular day I, <clears throat> I made a decision like, all right, I'm just going to tell them who's wrestling, who's not wrestling, why they're wrestling, why they're not wrestling, and just get it over with. Because, uh, and, I, and, I, and I think I take it as a good problem because, uh, you know, wrestling continues to get more popular and there's a lot more people that want to know what's going on. And I see it completely from the fans' perspective. And there's a coach's perspective that's different, but I don't know. I'm usually just a straight up guy. And you know, I'm gonna, whether you like it or you don't like it, I'm going to tell you who's going and who's not going. And, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head with my next question, which is there is two sides to this. There is the side where the coaches are very much just 
All I care about is my team, my athletes winning NCAAs in March, and that's it. That's their sole focus. And then there's obviously coaches, and I think you're more on this side, that come from the fan side and say, I put a tweet out a couple weeks ago that was along the lines of like, if you're a wrestler, if you're a coach, and you're asking people to come to your camp, come to your clinic, buy seats in the arena, and then you're not telling them what's going on, it's like you can't have it both ways. If you're not asking for anything, great. But if you're asking for stuff, it, it's better to enlighten the fans. And I'm sure for you, it's not always, you know, I don't know if it was easy or not, but this week there wasn't a lot of things. The injuries, for example, seem black and white. I know sometimes there's this paranoia like, oh, my gosh, if he knows that his right calf is a little out of shape, you know, they might come and try to take his legs out. Like for you, is that just a thing where it's like, look, an injury is what an injury is? Yeah, you know, I think it's a, it's a probably a much broader subject in, uh, in, than than maybe what people think. I think that I think we live within a rules system in wrestling that makes it easy for guys to medical forfeit out, and it makes it easy for guys to not wrestle because here we have this great product. It's called the dual meet, and look at the dual meets we've had this year. Just look at the dual meets we've been involved this year. I mean, Penn State, Iowa, Cornell, Wisconsin, we've been in some great dual meets. <clears throat> and besides we're competitive for bragging rights, they really don't mean anything, okay? There's, they don't mean anything. Um, if they meant something and there was some skin in the game, coaches would be wrestling guys, you know, just like, hey, you know, the NFL, it means something to lose. Uh, so you might see a team that if they clinch the playoffs, they might be at the year, they might rest guys for one week. Yep. But if they if they have a chance to get home field advantage, they're going to put everybody out there. We don't have that system here. We don't have, you know, the dual meets the greatest product we have. And well, but I mean, the NCAA tournament's the greatest product we have. But the dual meet is the second greatest product. And really, for the average fan, if we really want to grow this thing, it's a lot easier to coach a new fan into a dual meet than watching the three day NCAA tournament. So I think that's what leads a lot to. And then you throw, throw in some goofy rules. I mean, our qualification system compared to when I started was great because we used to have automatic qualifiers. And so now every year you got to earn a spot for the Nationals. But what they've done is they put in a bunch of dumb rules that that promote promote coaches to medical forfeit out of tournaments. And so that's what we're seeing is, um, you know, it's just making making it easy for kids. If a kid's really that injured, I just don't wrestle them in the tournament, you know, instead of bringing him in and then medical forfeit fit him out. That's just my and I'm not throwing coaches under the bus because hey, I was the first guy three, four years ago that got got my head chopped off because I did my last chance open <laughs> just to make a point. You know, yeah. I just did it intentionally. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge I'm gonna challenge every dumb rule that they've got out there all in one weekend, all in one day. And so when you ask that question about what's my philosophy on injuries, not injuries, there's times and places when you got to sit kids. There's no question, yeah. but it makes it easy to sit kids when, yeah, like we really want to beat Arizona State on Sunday. But what happens if we don't? Well, we go from fourth rank to maybe sixth rank or something. And at the end of the year, that sixth rank doesn't mean anything. In fact, we don't even recognize, I think this might be the first year that we actually recognize uh, a conference champ in the Big 12 in, in the dual meet season. This would be the first year. So there's just been this undervalued uh, aspect of dual meets. Uh, and I think most division one coaches would agree with that. I agree too. And, you know, speaking of medical forfeits, I got to imagine it's frustrating 
I think what you said is the right move. If a guy can't wrestle, he can't wrestle the tournament. I got to imagine as a coach, it's frustrating when you're sending guys like the scuffle, for example, the scuffle in Midlands was a disaster of medical forfeits. And you have guys there. And I think you had two guys, both guys at 33, like wrestling back, trying to get matches. And how aggravating is it as a coach when you want your guys to get those matches and then it's medical forfeit season? Yeah, it is frustrating because you do want to get guys matches. There's no question. And again, uh, you know, there's people out there going to say, well, you know, you did it back in 2000, again, 19 or 20, that COVID season. I'm like, you're darn right I did because, uh, you know, it, what's even dumber is you can medical forfeit to back then, you can medical forfeit to your teammate and you got to win for it. And you didn't get a loss for it if you were on the other end. And they and they changed that rule real quick because because right. of that particular event. They're, you know, but the fact that you can medical forfeit out and it doesn't cost you anything. So if you sign up for a tournament, and you decide you don't want to wrestle for seventh or eight, there's no, you don't have any, you know, there's no loss to you. Um, and I don't know when that rule changed, but it's just, I just don't think it's a very good rule because it just gives everybody a chance to pull out um, because it doesn't cost, doesn't cost anything. And, you know, why go wrestle a match if you might lose it? And then my seed might go down a little bit at the NCAA tournament. So there's just way too much, there's way too much gaming going on right now. It seems like the more coaches I talk to, the more everybody is is against this. Are there talks behind the scenes to end these stupid rules? So, the whole reason that I, um, you know, I sketched when I did the last chance open the very first year I got here, it's just because we I've always carried a big roster and I like to get my my backup guys matches in January and February. And there's very few opportunities in February, especially to get guys tournaments. So, I mean, guys matches. So that's part of the reason I started. Well, what I found out was people were coming using our event to get, you know, get their RPI number, which was 15. And um, uh, so uh, I went to the, uh, the NCA convention every July and they put me on a committee and I specifically <clears throat> wanted to be on that committee. And I actually chaired that committee for two summers and I put together three or four points. And I said, number one, this medical forfeit thing's ridiculous. And the fact that you can get a quality win against your or against your teammate is ridiculous because all you've got to do is have your, your backup guy go take a dive and then your, your starter gets a quality win and it helps them at the nationals. And so I actually <clears throat> don't know where that went. <clears throat> I mean, there was the NCA were there. I put, put all the work in uh, two summers in a row and I, I was very frustrated that nothing came of it. So maybe now that there's, you know, it, it seems to become more glaring every year that the system is flawed in that area. And there's a lot of really good things about I mean, the qualification system. I think the coaches love it overall compared to what, you know, the automatic qualifiers we had, what, 15 years ago or 12 years ago. But this is something I think is very fixable. I don't know what it takes to get it fixed. Uh, the NCA makes me scratch my head every day in, in how they do things. And it seems to be very political. I mean, eight years ago, we went to a convention and we had 90% of the coaches that wanted – that got up and voted uh, that the dual meets were going to happen and the dual meets were going to mean something. And there was going to be some carryover from the dual meets into the NCAA tournament. And then mysteriously, the rule got changed uh, because a couple of big time schools, ADs went and, and raised cane and all that work we put in for two or three summers didn't happen. So that's kind of the long winded uh, version of, of uh, you know, why the NCAA doesn't, you know, make these changes to make our sport a little better. 
Do you think there should be a dual meet championship like separate? I think it'd be great. I think it yeah. would be. I think I think they could do it, you know, maybe a week afterwards or talk break about talk about breaking it up into a couple seasons. I mean, we had a pretty good model in place that was ready to go. Everybody thought it was going to pass. And then all of a sudden, like I said, uh, there was an 11th hour uh, 180 on it, and it just completely went away. I mean, we even got it presented to us at the convention, what it was going to look like, how many points we're going to carry over to the NCAA tournament. Um, you're basically we're going to crown a, a dual meet champion before the NCAA tournament, you know, three weeks before. And they had a really good setup, I think, but it just didn't, you know, the right people didn't want it to go. It's funny how much you kind of mentioned this people playing within the subset of the rules. And it's funny. I don't know if you caught it on the show with Willie, but he said he did the research where the average all American wrestles 10 and a half less matches now, which is almost 29% less than a decade ago. So we see all of our stars less. Do you think that's a result of, of the product of wrestling changing? Do you think that's a result of, you know, you see these young kids that are wrestling year round nonstop. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Very definitely less matches being wrestled than, you know, I think, Gosh, when I was a senior, I, I think I wrestled 39 or 42 matches or something, you know, um, and that was kind of the norm back then, but it, it right. is much less. Um, I think, you know, one thing, and boy, I scratch my head and, and can't figure it out uh, because I know we do less work than we did back then, um, but the amount of injuries that these kids uh, sustain, you know, it just kind of blows my mind. I mean, um, you know, wrestling for Coach Gable, it was no secret. You live wrestled five days a week for at least an hour. Um, and we we might live wrestle two days a week right now, like if, if we during weeks that we compete. And we have more injuries. And, it, and it's not even that long. It might be 30, 35 minutes. I just, it's frustrating. So I do think as a coach, you, you know, I don't know if kids are bigger, stronger, faster, um, or they've been wrestling too long, or I, I don't know. I, I wish I could give you an answer. Because um, I think that's part of the reason that coaches are a little gun shy, and that it seems like we have a lot more injuries. And so, yeah. you know, why go? Why go put your kid out there in something that that uh, really doesn't mean anything? And you know, in the NFL, you're going to have to strap it on every week if you've got a sore shoulder if you want your team to go to the playoffs. And, yeah. and we don't have an incentive to do that. Where kids, you know, there's more incentive for kids. They might get out there a little bit more too, but. Sometimes every now and then you'll just get a kid that he just ain't going to wrestle because he don't feel good that day. Uh, and there's, and, you know, there's got to be some skin in the game for them too, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And it's also a whole nother conversation, but you, you know, you also have the freestyle scene that so many aspire to be a world Olympic champ. And it's like, okay, well, if I can't wrestle here, you know, all summer, whatever. Um, switching gears a little bit. Guy that I love, David Carr, very, very grateful to help him. NIL has enabled that. I'm curious on, on your perspective of NIL so far as it's rolled out over the past year or two from a coaching perspective. Well, I don't think it really matters what your opinion of it is. It's here to stay. Um, I've heard that the NCAA is going to come in and actually put you know, some rules in place because I think it was so new to them that they didn't even know how to legislate right. it. So, you know, I think it's pretty evident it's the wild, wild west out there. And, um, you know, I think football, there's schools kid, giving kids a million dollars right now. Um, you know, some of those SEC schools that, uh, that we're hearing, but it's just here to stay. Uh, 
it'll be interesting to see what kind of guidelines they put in, how they're going to govern it a little bit. But based on that, you know, that Alstead case uh, that came through, um, you know, I'm sure the NCA is very gun shy to, to challenge anything where a kid's getting a, a financial benefit uh, right now. So I'll be curious to see how they how they try to, to you know, chaperone it a little bit. Yeah, no, for sure. Speaking of David Carr, how much does it mean to you to have a guy like that? You know, in my eyes, he's a true selfless leader. It's one reason why I try to help him where I can. I got to imagine as a coach viewing that kid the same way has to be a good thing. No, he's a great guy to have in the room. You know, he, he absolutely loves the sport. Um, his energy is infectious. Um, it's really kind of been nice this year to have him up at 165 because only time the guy gets grumpy is when he cuts weight and he's not cutting a lot of weight this year. So his mojo doesn't change. But when, you know, when he was at 157, those last 48 hours, he was a bear to be around. His personality completely changed, which a lot of wrestlers do when they, when they cut a lot of weight. But, yeah. you know, he's really excited to continue. The great thing about David Carr is he just loves to come in and get better every day. Like he wants to learn. He wants to learn all these moves and hit all these moves. And, um, um, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do. He's, I think he's got the toughest and the deepest weight in the nation. And I said, that's Easily. cool because if you go win, you know, they should just give you OW for winning. So yeah. uh, I got him greedy and hopefully he wants, he wants all the trophies. Yeah. Another guy too, Panero Johnson, you know, he's kind of jumped on everybody's radar. He had an exciting win over Gomez, close loss to Yanni, close win over Van Ness. He's got Parco this weekend. What are your expectations for Parco moving forward? You know, after he has all these exciting matches and it's still so early, obviously in his college career, what are your expectations so far for him? For Panero? Yeah. Oh man. I think the sky's the limit for that guy. Um, most impressive thing about Panero, he's, he's obviously crazy athletic, um, crazy athletic. I mean, he might be faster than David Carr and I didn't think I'd ever say that. Um, he's, he's just so explosive. Um, um, you know, the, the thing that's been the most surprising, you know, and then I'm actually very surprised is his just attention to detail with everything he does. I mean, he got a three nine five this semester. He uh, his weight cuts have been great. His diet, um, he changed a lot of things because he didn't have a great summer competing and found out he had sickle cell anemia, so he had to kind of redo his diet and change a kid's diet when they're. 19 years old isn't the easiest thing in the world because yeah. we're, we're all creatures of habits. Um, and, you know, the ability just to train harder and, and to get tougher in the room. Now, he's not there yet. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of room for growth there, but he's very calculated um, and he's just got that, you know, I say you got to have that it factor where you just, you know, he's got that swagger where he thinks he can beat anybody at any time. I remember the day that we wrestled uh, Wisconsin. He goes, Coach, nobody believes me, but I'm going to beat Gomez today. He told me that. And I said, okay, Penel, you know, like, I would have bet him a million bucks that you're not beating Gomez. I'm just being honest. Were you good enough to beat him? Yeah, but are you going to step out there? Gomez is going to try to take your head off, dude. Yeah. He's going to try to choke you, flip you over. And he sure enough, he did. And, and I have to admit, I thought he was going over there. But when he weathered that storm, you could see a guy that just slowly got momentum and all of that swagger that he had. Um, and all that work he put in, you know, he felt great for seven minutes. And so, um, you know, he's going to have some, uh, I've said it before, he's going to have some freshman moments. Um, you know, there's probably going to, he's going to throw a clunker or two in there probably yet. Um, but man, there's a guy there that we're super excited about. I mean, 
he's you know he's like i'm winning four titles dude like i'm winning four titles and some <laughs> kids say that and you know you don't to be quite honest you don't believe it much as a coach you, you like it that they're saying it but he thinks he can win four titles so i already he already proved me wrong once so he might prove me wrong again it's funny too because as soon as he beat gomez i put a tweet out like man tell me this kid's not going to be a bracket buster and people are like right out of the gate like what do you mean bracket buster he's a top challenger like yeah, no crap, but he's a freshman. He's going to take some losses. You don't know what his, his seed's going to end up being, but it, it was yeah. funny to see that both sides. Like, yeah, obviously it's so early. He's He's got a long season. It's also funny because, so one thing I like doing in the podcast is I try to listen to other videos before I have somebody on and try to bring stuff up. And one of the things that you just said a couple days ago, or maybe it was last week, you were talking in a in a press conference about how he never even won a state title. And you mentioned the media availability, how much tougher it is to win a high school title, state title, and PA versus Iowa. Did you yeah. catch any blowback for that? I mean, you don't even have any PA bias. People can really come at you, <laughs> come at you yeah. with. No, I haven't had any yet, but I probably will be. I probably will. Be. So, yeah. No, yeah, that- well, you know, Panero graduated high school at seventeen years old, and that was part of the reason that I sat him down when we recruited him. I said, "Hey, I think you need a gray shirt here." You know. Um, yeah. You just you're just young. You're just young. I mean, the kid's just 19 years old right now. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and coaches, you know, coaches have you guys ranked fourth. Intermathing has you fifth, but you've got a very, very good and a very young team. I think there's only like two seniors in the lineup. And you also said somewhere in another press conference you know, about how much wrestlers get better that first year of college. And that was one reason why you're so high in Panera. And I was like, if he's having all this success and keeps having it, when you do have that young team, guys like Casey Panero, does that change your overall perspective of a team? You know, whether it's the dual meets, whether it's getting guys ready for March, when you have a team that's older at times or younger at times, does that kind of change things or does the philosophy stay the same? I think the the the, uh, the freshmen <clears throat> are going to be freshmen at some point. We haven't seen it much yet, but you know we're really kind of getting into the heart of the season now. Like, I mean, we got three dual meets in the next uh, in the next eight days, and then we're off the next weekend. And then we got seven dual meets in like nineteen days. Crazy. So you know, then you start grinding and you start having a lot of weigh-ins, and uh, and you know, in high school you get you can go four or five weeks if you're that good as Casey Swiderski and not even get anybody that even remotely challenges you. So, you know, I'm really curious to see, especially how Casey and uh, Panero do uh, down the stretch, you know, that'll tell the tale. I know they've got the ability to be really good down, down at the end of the year. And, you know, the veterans, more guys like Marcus and David, you know, I think you see, you're, you're going to, you know, hopefully you see more steady performances out of them because when Marcus Coleman was young, he was a roller coaster. He was all over the place. And uh, you're starting to see a fairly consistent guy right now. So, um, but the freshmen have really been good energy to our room because we recruited a big freshman class. We've got three or four that are really good that aren't in the lineup this year because they're not ready. But they've really ignited the room, and the room's competitive. And these guys haven't taken a backseat to the David Cars, and so uh, it's a great room right now. It's funny you mentioned roller coaster. I want to bring up a, a quote you said. Two years ago, I think it was, after the Oklahoma State dual loss, you referenced what you told your kids. You were not happy with their lifestyle choices, other things. And you said the quote that you told them, which was, coaching isn't about holding people accountable. It's teaching them how to hold, 
how to hold themselves accountable. And I'm curious if you were to fast forward two years now and take the group you have. And if you kind of think about that same the lifestyle decisions, the team camaraderie, how the team is, do you think they've gone more that direction that you want? The older guys definitely have. Um, you know, I completely, we have, we have a couple buzzwords in our locker room. And one of them is trust. And so you, you, you just can't hold their hand forever. At some point you have to be able to trust them. So, yeah. you know, never have to worry about Marcus Coleman, any of the things away from the room. He's a completely professional, younger Bastida, complete professional away from the room. I don't have to worry about their conduct. I don't have to worry about their weight cut. I don't have to worry about what time to go to bed. You know, none of that stuff. Uh, they they learned it. They probably screwed it up when they were young. They learned it, and and they're having success because they're applying. <clears throat> David Carr, um, Julian Broderson, those guys. I don't worry about those guys making weight. I don't worry about those guys feeling bad when they make weight. You know, every now and then you're going to come up scale maybe early in the season and. You could be an older guy and you just don't feel great. But they figure it out really quick and they just kind of keep getting better as the year goes around. Now the freshmen, those are the guys that you know, those are the guys that they, they kind of know it all and they gotta fail a little bit to get it right. You know, I'm curious to see Casey Energy's or Casey Swiderski's a stud, but I'm curious to see how he kind of adapts to the next two months and see how he kind of deals with that grind. Because what makes Casey good is he thinks he's invincible, but what makes Casey bad because he thinks he's invincible. <laughs> right. And so, um, you know, he's he's a hardhead when it comes to the weight management. So, uh, you know, you'll find out real quick you can't fake it if you've got corners on it. Yeah, and one thing that David was telling me that he, he loves about you in the room is, you know, the inspirational videos before practice, sharing motivational quotes. Have you found ways to, or how really, have you found ways to connect with these athletes that are such a different group, you know, for so long, you think like 18 years, you coached high school, then you have, you know, college kids now, now younger college kids. It's kind of like you said, a younger freshman class. How has connecting to these athletes in the way you found helped you? There's no doubt you've rebuilt that, that Iowa state program. And it seems like a lot of the success stems from these relationships you have. I mean, it's funny there's so much going on in a coach's mind that I feel like it's very easy to probably slip little details here and there. You didn't slip knowing that, that Panero had a 3.95 GPA. Like that was off the tip of your tongue. And I'm sure there's a million other things that just aren't coming up right now, but how have you felt or how have you found these ways to connect with these athletes? That's really helped you to rebuild this program. I, I just, you, 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 you have to evolve and, um, you know, especially being an older coach, you have to evolve and, get to their level and so i've especially since i've uh, been to iowa state is i've been you know probably didn't do it as much as other places just because didn't have maybe the technology that we had in the room so we have some you know we have four big screen tvs in the room i said well, why don't we just use these so uh, between motivational videos just a little bitty clips here and there you know we do twitter a lot uh you know we we we, we will we'll, we'll pull some stuff off Twitter. We'll pull stuff Instagram, uh, TikTok. Um, Are you finding these TikTok videos? Yeah, usually what I'll have people send it to me. It's amazing how many people will send it to me. Yep. And so I get I I subscribe on my Twitter feed to a lot of different motivational um, uh, yep. people that, that send that stuff out. You know that that's what they do. So I found those, and so it, it just I get that feed stuff all the time, and so I'll probably every other day get one, and I'll. I'll uh, email it to my director of operations and she'll have it ready to go that day at 345 when we get going. And 
And a lot of, sometimes it's just goofy, funny stuff. Just, uh, uh, you know, sometimes I'll get some stuff from guys uh, on the team that are funny videos of other guys on the team just to have <laughs> a little fun, you know, where they, yeah. you know, um, make fun of each other and in a good way, in a good light and uh, kind of try to keep the room a little bit lighter. And then some days it's really motivational and some days it's educational and just kind of rotate it around. I think, you know, you probably do it four days a week. You know? And it's funny because as much as you do well for the team, I've also heard individually and I'm crucial. I'm, I'm curious how crucial has been for you to meet a guy where he's at. You talk about different guys were referencing, you know, Panero, a gray shirt freshman, Casey, a true freshman, David Carr, an NCAA champ, junior Marcus Coleman, all these different age groups. How crucial has it been for you to find ways to kind of meet where they're at and meet their needs versus some things are team wide. I got to imagine a lot of other things are very individual based. Yeah. I, we put together a really good, staff i think here and so you know i really use coach metcalf and i use coach st john and i can use coach Carr in the rtc space and coach fernando you know and we've, we've just you know coach durbin our strength coach has done a great job i mean we really we have a lot of hands on them uh, and i think you have to really figure each one out because you know there's some days that i'll say okay you three guys you're not wrestling today get on the bike and the other guys might scratch their head and go why does this guy not have to wrestle today but, you know, those three guys might not need to wrestle that day. Um, uh, probably learned a little bit of that from Coach Gable. He was – I think Coach Gable was really good at reading guys and finding out this guy does, is, doesn't tick the same way this guy ticks. And uh, not that you're right all the time because I've screwed it up plenty of times too, but um, you know, some guys need to wrestle more. Some guys need to wrestle less. Um, sometimes they don't understand it, but it's really not their job to understand it. And, and I explained it to him. I said, I'm probably going to – coach you differently than I'm going to coach this guy. So trust me and, you know, trust is a two way street. We got to trust you, but you got to trust us. Yeah. And I want to talk about this weekend's duels um, before we do, you know, as I was looking at your schedule, looking at this weekend, I noticed how tough of a schedule you have. And we were talking about, you know, car having maybe one of the toughest weights. I, I think it is. I mean, you talk about three NCAA champs, one, two, three, and you talk about, you know, when I was talking to him about not wrestling at the scuffle and he said, like, it's crazy. Like, you know, people want to see me in O'Toole. They're still going to see it. Could happen three times this year. Could happen in the, in the Missouri duel. It could happen at the, at the, at the conference weekend. It could happen in NCAAs. It's crazy. And I'm curious for you because you've used the word negotiate when you talk about how hard your schedule is, how much of the negotiation is there for some of these duels to happen? And, and what do those negotiations look like? You're asking negotiations with other schools to make those duels happen? Well, yeah, it seems like when you're asked about your schedule, which you guys have such a tough schedule, and it's not easy to produce, it sounds like. It sounds like you got to negotiate with coaches to get what you want to get on the schedule. Yeah, some coaches are easier to schedule with than others. And obviously we have we get, I think, six that we have to do. And I'll maybe seven or eight that we have to do in the big 12 it's supposed to be four away and four home so it's eight i think and, and then some teams seven because we kind of got we added uh cal baptist but anyway so those seven or eight depending on what we get dealt that's uh seven or eight of our 16 dates after that we have the liberty all the coaches have the liberty to do what you want to do so you can pick and choose what you want to do now we have a 
Iowa, Iowa State relationship. So that makes it eight or nine. So we have eight or nine that we have to do. Everything else up to 16 is uh, is negotiable. Like we chose Coach Bono called me a week after the NCAAs last year and explained the Florida thing. And I said, yeah, that sounds like fun. Iowa kids getting to go to Florida. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that deal. <laughs> um, right. And uh, so you try to you try to and then you also have to do a good job building a home schedule for teams that are not in your conference. So it's it is kind of a pain in the butt. That's one of the hardest things to do is pull off a good schedule. And then there's some schools that just won't wrestle you, period, because they don't want like it's really hard to get Big Ten schools to wrestle you. Um uh, because you know their Big Ten schedule is tough and they have I think what do they get? They get eight dates that they've got to satisfy too. So they're kind of in the same boat. The Big Twelve and the Big Eight are in the same boat in terms of we get a certain amount of dual meets sent to us. That we have to do, and, and the dates we got to wrestle them on. Well, the Big Ten's even more restricted. Not only do they get the eight, I think that they've got to wrestle or ten, but they also get the dates. We don't get the dates. We get the schools we have to wrestle, and then you got to figure out the coach when the heck you're going to wrestle each other. And that's I almost wish they just give us. Do you guys dates pick dates? Is uh, this might be a dumb question? Do you guys pick dates that are in your favor versus other dates? Is that what the discrepancy is when you're talking with coaches about like dates? Yeah, it's hard. You know, like so. We, we try to stick with the same weekend every year. Like we wrestle Oklahoma, Oklahoma State one weekend, the last weekend in January. And then <clears throat> we go there the following weekend. So we're home one year, away one year. Yeah. That's not anything that, that's mandated by the Big 12. We just have to do that ourselves, if that answers yeah. your question. Yeah, makes sense. So speaking of the schedule, back-to-back duels this weekend, both live. Yeah. Everybody listening, they're both live on ESPN+. Plus. Wyoming Saturday, Arizona State, 1 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Eastern. What's the perspective heading into this weekend? And I guess, you know, Arizona State coming off that Cornell um, duel just two nights ago, you know, they're looking to rebound. What is your perspective heading into the duels this weekend? Well, we're pretty healthy, uh, a lot healthier than we were when we wrestled Penn State um, in Cornell. Um, but, you know, we got some guys that haven't been on the map for a while either, so you always kind of wonder how they're going to you know, how they're going to come back. They haven't competed for a month. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously Wyoming's a little bit down this year. Uh, we've got to take care of them. We've got to take care of business uh, tomorrow at, at 1 o'clock with them. And then we get a chance at Arizona State. There should be some great matches. Uh, in both dual meets, but but especially against Arizona State, there'll be some great matches. And um, you know we're going to wrestle everybody. Twenty five. Uh, we got two Hawaiians, and they're both hurt. And they're both one of them's probably done for the year. Tarakina. I haven't told that to anybody yet, but what the heck? Um, we're probably going to you know opt to do a surgery there and get. He's got a partial tear there, so we're 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 going to make that decision real soon. But we're kind of leaning towards that. Um, and then, ter- then uh, Kaban Bond's out for six more weeks. So we've got a couple other young guys that we're going to have to access for a while. Um, but other than that, you know, we got we got our starting other nine guys in there. Uh, Redding's a little bit banged up. He kind of took took a small uh, lead over Ramazan Adesayev right now, kind of just in the race for 133. So um, we're going to have both. You know, we think we're going to have access to both of those guys this weekend. But other than that, we're you know we we've got our forty one through heavyweight. We're, we've got our best best soldier in the lineup. Uh, I'm super excited. Is there any matchup you're excited for more than others? I know you probably got different reasons to be excited about all of them. 
No, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited about all of them. Obviously, that match with uh, Panero Johnson and Parco, that's probably two of the, you know, you got, what, the three and the five or the three yep. and the six, according to rankings, and uh, that'll be a good one. Um, you know, I think I think I'm excited about our heavyweight, Skyler. You know, he's got a really good test in Colton Schultz. Uh, I think he's just done a really good job for us this year, and I think he can turn some heads this year. So. I think the connection just broke. Can you still hear me? I can hear you. Yep. Okay, perfect. All right, last question before I let you go. So speaking of toughness, Cars told me before how impressed he is that you get these guys like younger Bastida, you know, these big gas tanks, Panero, and you've referenced that in some you know press conferences where you know you want to get one more minute from David Carr and, and gas tanks are very important. Selfishly, as a father of one, soon to be father of two, I would like a bigger gas tank. I know you're a father of three. So any advice or recommendations on getting a bigger gas tank? You come to Ames and um, I'll give you the speaker. I'm going to have to take you up on that offer. Bring your running shoes. Yep, we'll build you a gas tank. You can't build them in a week either. They take a little longer than a week. That's what I've been told. There's there's no shortcuts, unfortunately. No, no. David's done a good job. That's one of the things that's made David successful. He bought into the, you know, some getting really uncomfortable. Um, and, and I think his shape is the best it's ever been right now. Uh, the best it's ever been. I think he, I think he needed a notch more uh, in December. Uh, but I think he got it in the last two and a half weeks. So I'm excited to see him roll. It's so exciting to have Carr and, and to not just have, sometimes a weight doesn't get, the attention like you have like a Spencer Lee where the weight is almost just it's Spencer versus everybody. But when you have a weight like 65 where you have three NCAA champs is the one, two, three, and they they all know it. They're not dumb. Shane knows that David and Keegan want a piece car wants Keegan and um, Shane. Like it's so yeah. cool to see. So uh, getting into the conference duels here is, is going to be pretty exciting coming up and this weekend should be uh a nice, nice head start and all that. So awesome. That's all I got. Everybody listening, ESPN plus 1 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, big duels. Coach, thank you for coming on today. No, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Awesome. We'll talk soon. See ya. And the beat goes on.